Why do people go to school? This may seem like an obvious question. People go to school to learn, don't they? However, if you follow the reasoning of economist Brian Kaplan in his book, The Case Against Education, it's a lot more detailed and interesting question than it first appears. This month, our book club is reading The Case Against Education. Normally, I publish a discussion podcast episode at the end of each month to discuss the book and what I think are the takeaways from it. However, this month, I'm going to try a different format, breaking the discussion into shorter weekly bites. Brian Kaplan, an economist at George Mason University, is skeptical of the value of education. And as someone who cares about learning and education a lot, this was a position I had a hard time agreeing with at first. However, after following Kaplan expound his views on his blog, and more importantly after reading the book, which he goes thoroughly through the data on education and my own objections that I had to this concept, um, I was much more persuaded than I was initially. I'm still not 100% convinced, but I believe that given that there's so few books and speakers that can cause you to completely change your mind on a topic you think is important to you, I want to discuss this book with the book club because I think that that is really the advantage of reading books. If you don't change your mind or learn something new or change your opinions, what's the point? So this is a book that definitely forced me to really think my own position over and, and change my opinions of a lot of things. So I hope it might have a similar thought-provoking effect with you. So the start of Brian Kaplan's book is to look at why people go to school. A fairly strong empirical result is that those who have more schooling, so if you have high school, university, grad school, versus those who don't, they earn more money than those who don't have that schooling. One major question in economics is to ask why that is. So why do people who have more education seem to earn more money? So to do that, there's actually about three major stories that try to explain what is going on in school that would make you better off economically, earn more money in your career after you graduate. So the first is simple. School teaches you things that make you better. By learning and educating yourself, you learn reading, arithmetic, science, psychology, civics. You learn how to interact with other people, how to follow rules and perform to society's expectations. So in this story, people are going into school and leaving it better than they were when they entered it. It doesn't really matter exactly how they're improved, so that could be because of the things you actually learned on the curriculum, so you learned how to do algebra and that it helped you perform better in your job, or it could be the things that were sort of surrounding the school environment, so you learned how to make friends, or you learned how to follow instructions, or you learned how to wake up at a certain time and go to work every day. These could all be ways that you are improved as a person by going to school. This story is called the human capital view of education. Human capital because it argues that by going to school, we are improving the underlying assets we have as individuals to do work. Another story is different. This story says that smart people and hardworking people just like to go to school. Those who would have had succeeded anyways in society are inevitably the ones who go to school and get an education. So to think about it another way, imagine that we know that rich people own more yachts than poor people do. But yachts don't make rich people rich, quite the opposite actually. Similarly, school might help people earn more because it's the kind of thing high-earning, smart, conscientious people like to do, not because it actually improves their earning chances. 
So in this story, school doesn't make people any better, but it also doesn't help you earn more money either. This is the kind of, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates didn't really need to go to college because they already had this potential to found great companies within them. And it's from this perspective that school is just something that culturally people who tend to be smart and productive do, and they also tend to earn more money. So the causality just isn't there. This is called the ability view of education. Now, the final and third story about education is the one that centers around Brian Kaplan's argument. And this is that going to school really does allow you to earn more money. So contra this ability hypothesis, if you choose to go to school, you'd earn more money than you would if you didn't. However, contra the human capital story, that isn't because school makes you any better. Rather, graduating from school signals to employers the kind of person you already were before you started. By offering this signal, schools help to filter the workforce in society into those that have the quote-unquote right stuff employers want, so the hardworking, smart, conformist type people that will do well in school. And it helps separate those who can't hack it in school, meaning that they probably had other defects that made them less employable or less productive. So this view of education says that what schools teach isn't all that important. It doesn't really matter whether it's useful at all, at least in your life as a professional, because it's not about making you a better person. It's not about actually taking who you are right now and transforming you into something new. Rather, what this school is doing is sending a signal to all of those employers that you've gone through this process. And to go through this process, you already had to be a certain amount of hard work ethic. You had to have a certain amount of intelligence. You had to have a certain amount of willingness to submit to rules and authority that would make you a good employer. So employers who can't see the exact individual value of each person use these filters as a way of get, avoiding getting stuck with bad apples, of hiring people that aren't actually as productive as they seem to be in an interview. So the open question is, which of these three stories, human capital, ability, or this last view, signaling, actually works best in explaining what we see in the data for education? So ability takes some share. It's true that those who graduated from college and university are, would have been more successful even if they hadn't been. But some statistical manipulation can show that this can't be the entire explanation. Going to school really does seem to improve your economic outlook. So what about the remaining value of going to school? So when you go to school, it's actually giving you some individual benefit. How much of that is human capital? How much of that is because education has transformed you, made you more productive, made you better? And how much of that is just taking what you already had and showing or certifying that you already were a certain kind of person? So Kaplan argues that the split is about 20% human capital and 80% signaling, meaning that roughly one-fifth of the benefit that you get from going to school comes from being improved through school. So this includes all the learning you do, but also all the socializing, all the rich experiences you experience in school that allow you to be a better person and be a better, more productive person in your economic life. And four-fifths, he argues, comes from credentials or comes from the ability to showcase that you were already a certain person before you started. So I don't know about you, but this is a pretty significant departure from the mainstream view of education. The mainstream view of education is that it is about learning. It is about improvement. It is about human capital. 
And this is indeed, I would say, the mainstream economic view as well, that being improved through education is what education is primarily about. Yes, signaling maybe plays a small role, but certainly not the four-fifths that Brian Kaplan is arguing for. So why is there such a divergence? Why does the sort of mainstream and common sense opinion differ so dramatically from what Brian Kaplan is trying to kind of classically argue in his book? So in the next episode, I'd like to look at some of Kaplan's arguments, which are, in my opinion, quite robust. He does not slouch in trying to defend his view for arguing why learning is actually a much smaller part of the story than most people believe.